I'm Alexandra Legui. This is Mindset Unfiltered. At age six, my dear friend Jamie Milton knew that deep inside she had a strong feminine spirit. However, it wasn't until she was 43 she had the courage to explore this more deeply and become the true Jamie, a lesbian trans woman. This is a very wonderful natter between two close friends where Jamie opens up about how she dealt with life, family, work, social pressures and expectations over these years. While there are so many traumatic stories about this topic, Jamie really wanted to get across that while the journey hasn't been easy, and yes, has been one of the scariest of paths, it has also been relaxed and joyous, and she wants to celebrate the huge progress that represents. I have never known Jamie to be as happy and content as she is now. Her inner strength has helped her no end, and she is living life to the absolute maximum, and this happiness and confidence oozes from every pore, and I bloody love it. Meet Jamie Milton. My lovely friend, Jamie Milton, has joined me. Jamie, how are you? I had my first sort of gymnastics lesson yesterday. Gymnastics lesson? Oh, it was fantastic. So we were in Prospect Park about a week ago, and there was this incredibly good gymnast who's a teacher, and she was just working out next to the pull-up bars, which I sometimes go and use there. And I said, excuse me, can you, do you teach? Can you teach me how to do handstands and stuff? And so I, I, yesterday I, I turned up there. And amazingly, she's actually from Larissa's hometown. She's from Odessa. So um, she sort of like took me through like this really rigorous, so Russian. She was like, you must learn how to do this correctly from start to yeah. Stand like this. I was like, okay, I can stand like this now. <laughs> shift the balance like that and I did and I was like oh my god that's so difficult she's like yes this is proper way to do it you get good this way so that was that was amazing and then we went to Central Park for a picnic and then we like because they're now doing alfresco dining we went to Korean so it actually felt like a New York day Mm. And what was amazing was the Friday night, we, we went to our friend's birthday party and it was so badly organized. It was badly organized in a way that only a New York night can be. She took us to this bar. She hadn't checked it out. It was horrible. It was filled with douchebags. And then what happened was we then went across the road to a bodega, picked up drinks, etc., and went to a local park and then sat in one of the damn trees from the recent storm we've had. And there were a load of poets and writers and stuff mm. like that. And so everybody got up and kind of did their piece as an ode to her for her birthday. Oh, I love it. I love the fact that you are in your element as well, James. Right, before we dive in, I want you Uh, to... Jamie? Oh, Jamie, Jamie, yes, of course. Sorry, my love. It's cool. So before we dive into the present day, I want you to... I know, first of all, I want you to tell me how you would describe yourself, in short. Okay, right. Um, I would uh, describe myself as a trans woman um, who is attracted to other women. Um, some people use the phrase trans lesbian. Um, I think that is one of the things that confuses people quite a bit. I mean, essentially, if you would see me, um, I have very long hair, really quite well built. I'm an ex-army officer and I will wear like, very feminine clothes, um, a sort of mixture that would it's sort of it depends on, on what I'm wearing, but generally speaking, it'll, it'll, it'll end up looking on, on the feminine side of androgynous. Um, on that particular point about the attracted to women versus wanting to be a, a woman or to have a, a, a feminine body, um, that's actually one of the really interesting things about why this has taken so long to come out. Because I remember distinctly when I was a child, 
between the ages of six to nine, desperately wanting a female body, but at the same time being aware that I was attracted to women. Mm -hmm. And that being something where actually it sort of made me go, oh, well, I'm, I'm just a bit weird. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm a guy who's just really into feminine bodies, etc. And, and so, cause I was able to quote unquote pass as a straight man. Um, but uh, it, it, it's, as I've discovered now being able to express my sort of like my gender identification on a day-to-day -day basis, it makes such a difference to how comfortable I feel. Mm. You touched on the fact there that you were an army, uh, you were in the military. So tell us yes. who you were uh, before you had the courage to be the real you. Yeah. So I think a, a large part of what I was was I was a construct of what I perceived to be the way that you are as, as, as a masculine person, as, as a man. Um, I, I got sent to a very, very traditional British public school that was all boys. Um, I, I did not really fit in. And I, I sort of, I looked at, this is how I'm expected to behave. So I adopted almost stereotypical, the gruff voice, you know, went weightlifting. So I got the big shoulders, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I was like, right, okay, if I join the army, they'll teach me how to be a real blokey bloke and all of those sorts of things. You know, so I went to Sandhurst and I, and I really fitted in. But, and, and, oh, I tried to fit in. I found it very difficult to fit in. And um, I, I felt a lot of the time like I needed, unless there was a very clear path for me to follow, I just, I, I kind of floundered because I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I was looking at what I was supposed to be and saying, right, I, I, I've got to be that. Mm. And so that kind of gave me this identity for a, a long time. And then I went from that to working in, in sort of public relations. Um, and again, you know, I, I, I sort of played this role, like, you know, business suit, everything like that. And again, I just, I, I felt like I was lacking a self-starter. I was lacking a, a momentum in my life. And I'd always be very enthusiastic about things. And then I'd find that sort of petered out. And I went from that to sort of studying computer science, which was great. And then I actually went into what I do now, which I adore, which is, which is data science and, you know, finding, finding, finding a, a, a secret hidden in a whole load of data, uh, which I hmm. do think is a great analogy. I totally what, agree. That's <laughs> what has happened wow. to me. Because I was just like, yeah, why did I like finding out deeply hidden secrets? Yeah, because that's basically what it was my entire yeah. life. And I eventually ended up taking psychotherapy. And I remember sitting in the session and I thought, you know, I'm here because I have a terrible relationship with my, my father. And, mm. and I was like, right, I've got to sort this out. And I remember in one session, and it was bubbling away in the back of my head, this fact that from the age of six to nine, I mean, literally every night I would go to sleep wishing to wake up in the morning as a woman and in a sort of jungle paradise. Um, it was a really elaborate fantasy for a six-year-old. It was the mm. crazy elaborate of just, you know, this jungle paradise. There were no men in it, just women. It was fantastic. And... And uh, so we got to the end of the session. I said, look, just one last thing. I know I've been talking about my dad a lot, but from the age of six to nine, you know, I used to dream every night about becoming a woman. And honestly, if you were to give me the option tomorrow, I would love to be female. Hmm. Do you think that's got anything to do with my itchy skin? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> my psychotherapist looked at me. He was like, you do know what that, that is, right? I was like, well, clearly not. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. And she's like, right, you need to go do some reading and sort of understand what's going on. Wow. And I was actually very lucky because shortly after that, I met my, my partner 
who um, is, is sort of very big in the LGBTQ uh, event space in New York. And so she sort of saw me and within about, I don't know, a week of kind of bus dating, etc., had actually recognized that I was very clearly suffering from some sort of, you know, um, this mismatch, this gender mismatch, because mm. she's, she knows so many people like that. Mm. And God bless her, she never, ever said that. She just asked questions mm. that helped me get to the point where I realized that was what yeah, I was. Okay. Um, and initially, I certainly used the phrase, you know, gender fluid, uh, which is, is somebody who really identifies neither as male or female or, or can sometimes identify as both depending on how they feel. And I, and I used that phrase because I felt I, I felt like I needed a slightly more ambiguous position to talk about initially and and i mean i'd also like to stress these phrases are are very much tailored to make the person who's talking about them feel comfortable vocabularies there to make people comfortable and so i wouldn't wouldn't want to sort of like impose my viewpoint of what that is on anyone else but i i I use that as a sort of a testing ground and she would turn to me and she'd go jamie how does the girl feel i was like oh the girl feels great the girl's so happy oh my (laughs) goodness me it's great she goes how's the boy feel and i'd be like Ah, uh, um, ah, uh, and I realized after about six months, I was like, there isn't sort of boy's spirit in here. It is, it is just a, a girl's spirit. And, yeah. and it was, it, once I enunciated it, it was, it, it sounded crazy in my head up until the point I enunciated it. And once I enunciated it, I was like, oh my goodness, that is one of the truest things I've ever said. And it, it doesn't, it didn't help sort of in my head, but I'm not petite. I'm six foot mm. tall. I've got very broad shoulders. I've done all of this weightlifting, etc. So I do look without long hair and right clothes. I, I can look really super masculine, mm. you know, and, and I practice being super masculine. Mm. And over the last two years now, I, I've just gradually got more and more into this headspace and it's absolutely glorious um, because I can be everything I want to be. It's not a contradiction. You know, people say, well, well, you do all this weightlifting and you love being adventurous. And, you know, you know, I'm like, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I do like all of those things. Well, how can you do that and be a trans woman? I'm like, because I'm Amazonian, okay? Exactly. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't have to sort of like fit into any of these categories no. that you've got. And and I think that's that's something that's really important as well is, is, is coming out of this, looking now at society, I realize how many people are forcing themselves into roles because they think socially that's what they've got to do, whether they're, they're sort of like male assigned, female assigned, whether they identify as a man, identify as a woman, whatever. Mm-hmm. So many people are forcing themselves mm-hmm. into, into roles that are actually causing them really deep mental issues. Mm-hmm. It's really messing with their head. When you, um, just going back to when you were saying that from the age of six, you had yeah. these feelings and thoughts and then even going through your army years you would almost try and emulate people around you or you sort of would yeah. try to fit in how did it manifest in you mentally or physically this um uh restrained unit yeah. that's a great question um i i had what i now refer to as kind of like my man filter Mm-hmm. So when I was talking to people, and if I was angry, I'd be like, right, what is a male way to get angry? Here? Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize I was consciously doing it. I was like, right, what's the masculine thing? Look, mate, you know, you need to sort this out, et cetera, et cetera. And 
you know, I would check all of my reactions and put them through a, a blocometer is about the best way I can describe it. Um, physically, I would hold myself with sort of like, you know, broad shoulders and I'd be sort of like, I, I, probably flexing would be a good way to describe it. I had terrible back problems around my neck mm. and around the base of my back because of how I was holding myself. Mm-hmm. And um, it's because, you know me, I'm very extroverted, but I had this weird sort of extra, I was extroverted, but at the same time, because every time I was going out, I was more or less playing a role. I'd get back from an evening out and I would be exhausted. I was just about to say that. You must have been permanently exhausted. Yes, that's exact. And, And now so much more energy. Yeah. And, you know, like I'd be in situations and particularly say if it was about male confrontation like you know i'd be in a bar and there'd be some blokes sort of like you know being loud and argy bargy and stuff like that i'd immediately be like oh my god how do you deal with the situation how what is the correct way to deal with the situation nowadays i'm just like whatever <laughs> let them do what they want if they come anywhere near i'm just like no no you're not talking to me like this you know I'm wearing this dress as far as I'm... And the weird thing is, as soon as I put on a dress, I felt bulletproof. In male in male outfits, I felt really vulnerable and quite scared. I put on a dress and I'm like bulletproof because I'm like, you know what? I've I've faced my greatest fear, which is this fact that oh. you know, I, I want to wear these things and I couldn't, but now I can. So if you want to come at me, I don't care. Right? I don't care what you point. say to me. I'm living my life and I enjoy it so much that you're going to put your prejudice up against my love of life, you're going to lose. That's just the way it's going to happen. I love that. I love that because uh, you have, nothing could be harder than what you've been through. And that is such an armor, isn't it? Nothing could be more brave than what you've done over the last few years. So you must end up, you must end up going, well, nothing else can hurt me. Nothing else can get me. I, I think it's, I think it's the, I've never been more scared of anything. It's, I don't know. I don't know. If the, the, maybe that is actually the hardest thing that one can do is, is this huge fear. But yeah, it is, it is along those lines. And it's what's interesting as well is, is, is it's not because armor's kind of on the outside, whereas this almost feels as if, as if it's, it's the strength is now really coming from the inside. Like mm. I think previously, you know, when I used to weightlift and do my, my kind of like uh what's the word i used to wear these like very formal clothes that was armor and it was mm. trying to hold me all together whereas now like i like i said like it feels like the strength comes from within me and the motivation's coming from within me because every single day i, I wake up and i'm like okay i'm gonna do what feels comfortable yeah. here and it's the 101 little things like that and that is i think i think i think all too often when people look at life-changing things they think about like the massive great big dramatic events but actually a large chunk of it is is can i just walk down the street in a dress holding hands with my partner wearing makeup and uh and sort of like uh and nail polish mm-hmm. and i nobody looks at me and everybody's just cool because it's just me mm-hmm. and in brooklyn where i live that is absolutely the case nobody bats an eyelid and it's just wonderful can i pop out to the shops dressed like that do I have to get out of the clothes that I'm comfortable mm. in, put on something masculine and go out to the shops? That's depressing because mm. I did that a couple of times. And then I was like, you know what? 
this is ridiculous, I'm not doing that. Right. I think, I think the really crucial moment came when I went back to the UK after maybe nine months in, in the United States. And I was wearing very androgynous clothing, very flamboyant David Bowie type thing, but it was still like trousers. And then I went to this incredible party, box and badge, dressed in the most glorious kind of cocktail dress and stuff, you know, with wonderful hair, etc. And I was like, and I, I just, I just glowed. I mean, literally everyone was yeah. chatting to me and I was, I was just so happy. I was like, you know what, from now on, forget about it. Because then I went to Florida, which is pretty Republican, and I was wandering around in a dress there, and nobody was giving me any bad time. I was like, you know what, if I can do it here, I can do it more or less anyway. So, yeah, I'm good. So I've known Jamie for probably 22 years. <laughs> don't, don't, just, just, yeah, we've known each other a, a long, long time. time. A long um, time. So I have seen all of these changes and we've had we've always been kind of on the same wavelength haven't we we've always had some really open conversations and always been very frank with each other which has just been amazing um and I have never known you to be as happy as you are now it's just brilliant yeah you say um you know about the difference between America and the UK and those reactions um Mm -hmm. what about um, the differences, but well, let, actually, let's start firstly with the reaction from your family. You touched on the fact that you went to psychotherapy, yeah. you know, about your relationship with your father. Are yeah. you happy to talk about that at all? Yeah, I, I think I can. I mean, I, I'd like to. I, I, I sort of, if I can talk about the areas that I that I think. It's uh, the word because what I don't want to do is I don't want to point fingers or anything no. like that because it's a big, it's a big thing. Mm. Like, um. In terms of my family, I think a large chunk of their fear, because there was a lot of there was a lot of issues over it, because I ended up getting divorced from uh, my ex-wife, and there was a lot of fallout from that sort of thing. I think, in general, um, my my aunt, for a starter, my, my lovely auntie Jeannie, was hugely supportive from the start. Like literally within twenty seconds of me starting to explain what was going on, she just went, "Darling." going to look after you i'm going to protect you mm. you know i i care about you let me help you and that was just the most amazing thing it was it was wonderful she's an absolute gem of a person mm. um because i think she she's definitely one of the sort of uh the more eccentric members of my family and i think she had quite a lot of issues with that so she's just got this natural protectiveness of people who are different um i think once once my mother had sort of got over the sort of the divorce surgery from my wife, um, our relationship is actually stronger than I think it's been since I was in my teenage years. I used to have a relationship with my mother, which I now realize is what most daughters have with their mothers. Mm. It was so, it was crazy close. We discussed mm. every sort of emotional kind of thing under the sun. Um, it, was, it was really lovely. And that's actually returned. And I adore it. And there was a moment the other day when my hair's now very curly because it's very long. She's got very curly hair and she just looked at me. She's like, oh, my goodness, it's, you look like me. Oh. I was like, I know, it's great. Mm. Um, um, my father didn't react particularly well. Um, he He's very... He's really interesting because he's actually very unconventional, but he seems to have this deep respect for people who can work within 
structures, etc. And I had forced myself into that kind of role of working within structures. And I remember him saying to me, you know, what, what on earth are you going to do? What are you going to do now that you've come out as this? And I was like, I've, I'm a data scientist. It's literally the most sought after skill set in the world. Nobody cares what I'm wearing. They just want to know that I can find the problems in this data. And he was like, what? And I was like, well, that's, that's the truth. And my company is actually incredibly supportive. It's a very large international company with a very diverse setup. So um, that was kind of, that was sad. But again, that started to come around. Because I think, again, to your point, Alex, I'm so obviously very, and I think the word happy, I, I wouldn't necessarily use the word happy. I'm very, I'm very content. Like yeah. I'm, I'm on solid ground. Like, you know, I get happy and I get sad like everybody does. It's not that I've suddenly found the secret to never being sad because that would be <laughs> no. awful. You know? Contentment That's is not... exactly right, yeah, exactly. isn't it? It's contentment. It's that yeah. when I face life now, I face it with my feet on solid ground. I know who I am. You know, if if somebody attacks me for who I am, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm much rather that than if I was half exposing who I was and they were going, oh, well, you're this. And I'd be like, well, yeah, well, I'm not fully me. Oh, I feel kind of ashamed mm. that I'm not fully me. If you're fully mm. you, you're like, yeah, okay, you want to come at me? Own it. If you, oh, Terry Pratchett said in one of his books uh, about the witches, the thing about rules is if you're going to break them, break them good and hard. <laughs> I think that's the best advice in the world. Uh, like, you know, yeah. I remember the, the first day I, I came back to the UK because I went to New York, got restyled and came back, different hairstyle, very much nicer clothes, etc. And I walked into the off lipstick, nail polish, a, you know, Dolce & Gabbana suit, uh, which I've almost, I've almost paid off now. But I mean, and it was actually a worthwhile investment because it's really difficult to criticize you if you walk in and you look like, you look fantastic. I totally agree. Yeah, you look agree. super eccentric, but you look really yeah. great. It's very difficult for I somebody mean, to give you And if you're really proud of who you are, yeah. I think people are people would be intimidated to contradict that as well. You know, they've yeah. got to have a bit of a chip on their own shoulder. It's got to be more about them. If they're going to start being leery or aggressive or insulting or any of those things, if yeah. someone walks into a room, I don't care who they are. If they look happy and confident in what, in who they are, then fuck yes. Good. Great. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think the other thing that's really interesting is that, after about two months of me turning up with my new stuff, I had a whole lot of people coming up to me and saying, I'm wearing this to the office. Because yeah. I looked at you and I thought, well, hang on. Yeah. You're not really happy in what you're wearing. So I, I had a, a lovely Indian colleague of mine. She said, look, I've started to blend traditional Indian dress into my business dress because I realized I didn't feel I was expressing my cultural background. And I'm so proud of it. And I really want it to be you know, important. And in fact, my workplace ran this amazing video on a similar thing called Bring Your Whole Self to Work, where everybody who was interviewed turned up wearing the formal version of their national dress. So, you know, you had this this um, Nigerian um, colleague of mine turned up wearing the most beautiful formal West African kind of suit thing with pink and yellow and beautiful hats, etc. And an Indian colleague turned up wearing sort of like a classic 19th century Indian civil servants outfit. You know, Chinese colleague turned up wearing sort of like their equivalent. It was it was incredible mm. and and beautiful because it made us realize we're like, you know, there's there's like a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred recognizable formal cultural styles of dress from around the world. 
And yet, what does every man wear? It's a suit ranging from grey to blue. Mm -hmm. And if they really want to express themselves, they wear some really crazy ties or really and crazy socks. socks. <laughs> That's so, so true. Sad. It's so sad. Yeah. Because it's not like you know, like if the seriously, like if somebody came in wearing the. Um, Wearing the the, the 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 sort of outfit my West African colleague was wearing to the meeting, I'd just be like, "Wow, that's incredible!" You know, yeah. because a part part of it's like I think a large thing about clothing is is you're showing both respect for yourself and where you're coming from, but also the formality, the how smart it is, is showing respect for other people, and it's very difficult to argue. With that. I think that's really important. So, what is it? Why don't people have the courage? And, you know, you've got the experience now. What is it that stops people from being brave enough to be well, I think they are? one of the problems is, is that I think actually a lot of the times kids are brave enough, but there's a lot of, a lot of effort goes into getting people to conform. Mm. So, you know, and, and let's, 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 let's be realistic. Like, you know, you see, you see right from the start, particularly, I think it got me was I realised I didn't know what natural male behavior would be because from such a young age boys are taught to shut themselves off from mm -hmm. certain things like don't cry four years old don't cry the kid's sad why are they not allowed to cry mm -hmm. and and effectively what and, and and one of the things i talked one of the things i heard from so many of my female friends was so i cried and then I realized that crying wouldn't work in this situation to get me what I want. Mm. So I stopped crying. And now I tend to only cry when I'm sad and somebody's, you know, somebody's died or something like that. I'm like, there you go. If you let the kid cry, the kid works out what is crying useful for, what is crying not useful. If you don't, you freeze that person emotionally then and there. You're saying to them, no, that is not valid. That's really unfair. Like, I think a lot of times behavior, there's a really important distinction. Behavior is something that is appropriate to a situation. Feelings, that's what you're feeling. You can't tell somebody that a feeling is not valid, you mm. know? Like, um, and, and I think that's, that's what happens to a lot of people. They get told their feelings aren't valid a lot from a young age. So by the time they sort of go into the workplace or whatever, they're so used to suppressing who they are that they go, okay, that's what everybody's doing. I'm going to do that too. I don't want any trouble. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, it's important that particularly like as a team, we are able to, and, you know, I, I work in a lot of teams. It's very important that we're able to subordinate our desires to a sort of common goal. That's what civilization is based around. I have no argument with that. I think the problem is, is that, that level of kind of conformity has gone way too far. They're like saying, oh, well, you know, like you can't wear that. And I, 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 I mm. one of the coding languages I, 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 I use is something called SQL. And I was like, so you're telling me that I can't code SQL if I put on a dress. Like yeah. I put on this dress and suddenly I can't code SQL. Or, you know, I, I paint my lips like this and I can't code SQL. Or I, or I, I like to date this sort of person. I can't do it. That's ridiculous. Mm. It's just ridiculous. And so I think that's that's a large that there's a lot of effort that is actually put into us mm -hmm. by various authorities that just that pushes us away from this. And it's it's wrong that you should have to be super brave mm. to just wear what you want. Mm. And yet that is that is a case for a lot of people. They have to be really brave. That's not right. I feel like um, we've gone back a little bit with uh, things like Instagram as well and social media because people are even more intimidated to be who they actually are when yeah. 
that's just not cool. You don't get the likes, you don't get the adoration. So as a young person coming up, they've got all of that to deal with as well, yes. um, which I just Absolutely. think would have been terrifying. I completely agree. I mean, there's, there's, there's the pros and the cons, really, because the thing about social media, particularly for, shall we say, people who are more of a minority in terms of how they feel, in terms of how their gender express, is actually you can then get on and you can see examples of that. So there is an advantage in yeah. terms of that. On the other hand, you're, you're completely right. There is this, there can be this really pernicious, how many likes did I get? Mm. And then that pushes you down the line of pandering to the crowd as opposed mm. to finding your own style. Um, so there's, there, there, are this, there are those things. I mean, I think it's something that it's really refreshing when you see that a school or a organization has actually said, you know what, we need to set up rules to protect people's right to express who they are, mm. you know, um, because, because without those safeguards, you're really kind of, you're a bit out on a limb. Yes, you can wear what you want to wear and you can express yourself how you want to express, but what if somebody in a position of power then checks you? We do need legislation to back mm. this up. And this was, this is one of the things I was so impressed with my work about because I mean, when I first started on this journey, I, I was terrified, absolutely terrified. And they have a, um, they have a, a, a global LGBTQ organization. I wrote to them because um, I could get their stuff online. And it said, actually, in, a, in, in the, the, the website, it said, if you, if you identify as non-binary or trans, write to us and we'll help you transition in the workplace. And so I wrote to that person within 15 minutes that invited me for coffee. So I went down to see them and they said, so what's happening? I said, explain it. They said, right. Jamie, what do you want? And I was like, that's a very expansive question. What do you mean? And they said, well, have you thought about pronouns? And I was like, well, I haven't until now. So yeah, that's, that's great. I should start thinking about that. She said, great. Okay. So what do you want to wear to work? I said, well, look, I've always wanted to look like a cross between Annie Lennox and, and David Bowie. She said, that's great. As long as you're smart, you can wear what you like. I was like, this is amazing. And then she finally said, look, and what we're going to do is we're going to appoint a kind of champion for you. And this is a partner level person within the organization who's, multi who's responsible for multi-million pound revenues. And this person will basically go into your department, explain what has happened whilst you're kind of going off and, and restyling, et cetera. And if anybody gives you any problems, et cetera, this person will go and sort it out. And I couldn't believe wow. that level of institutional commitment to making this as fair as possible. Because I, I've heard so many horror stories from my friends about what happened when they came out. Mm. And this, this made it so easy. And because the top, the higher echelons were going, this is all cool. Yeah. Everybody else just went, oh, fine, it's cool. They're all good with it. I'm good with it. Thank God you had that support. Couldn't believe it. Where, um, Just, I mean, where should people go if they don't know where to go, if you like? Oh, no, that, that I mean, I, I, want, I want to qualify my reply to that one, which is that's going to so depend on your circumstances. And, you know, mm. what I would absolutely say is, is, you know, you've got to look after your safety foremost. Mm. Foremost, you have to look after your safety. You've got to get to a place where you can be honest, but you've got to look after your safety because we are... We are still living in a world where, you know, um, I think the statistics are, 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 are terrible in terms of homeless youths that, um, you know, you're something like three or four times as likely 
to be from the LGBTQ community if you're if you're homeless, mm. and that homeless sort of youngsters who are LGBTQ much more likely to get abused etc um and so it's very very important for somebody to 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 first and foremost guard their their physical safety there is a lot of information now on the internet um uh it's massively worth reaching out to national organizations Mm. uh i was extremely lucky because the size of my organization meant that there was this lgbtq community within within. that and it was very well organized um i mean i i would definitely say one of the one of the key things is is to reach out and find your community in whatever way you possibly can and to start a dialogue with them and to actually start to have those conversations with um with people who are you know who who are who are like you but Mm. i think what i what i'd really like to say here is it's like you know, if if you're if you're like me or you're one of the many people on the spectrum uh, of of this, you'll probably work out what's going on. What I'd actually like to say is, what should people who aren't like this but who care for and love people yeah. who are you know, trans, non-binary, what should they do? And I mean, I think first and foremost, you've really got to turn off anything judgmental mm. when you're talking to somebody because it, it's. It's. I found it so difficult to just even enunciate how I was feeling. I did not have the vocabulary mm-hmm. initially, and I've now got it, but it's taken a while to get to that particular point. Um, so you've got to be hugely non-judgmental. You've also, I think, got to. One of the things I think helps empathize is it's really the walking down the street point. How would you feel if walking down the street people stopped and stared and pointed? Yeah. Because. That for me, like the fact people don't do that here is it, it's so empowering because mm. I'm able to do that particular that particular thing. And um, I think the other thing is is to remember put it in context. I'm trans. I'm also a veteran. I'm a parent. You know, I'm a professional. I'm a linguist. I have a whole load of things about me. Mm. I just also happen to be to be this and i would love a world where it's just it's just part and parcel yeah yeah trans woman yep that's fine that's who they are and nobody would say well how can you be working in security how can you be working in this very hard-paced job how can you be you know a weightlifter how can you like box i love boxing Mm -hmm. i love boxing i like weightlifting i like poetry i like flower arranging i like cooking i have no problem with any of that, none of that's contradictory. And the reason it's not contradictory is I like all of those things. So if I like all of those things, one cannot contradict the other. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just things that I like. Uh, so you are a trans lesbian. So you're interested yes. in women. Has that always been the case? I find it slightly disturbing just how not interested in men I was. <laughs> I loved going out to, uh, to gay clubs with I had a lot of male gay friends and gay clubs I love dressing very ever yeah (laughs) so good good. and I love dressing up super flamboyantly and and I loved you know like partying to whenever etc etc and I was like why do I feel such kinship but not quite Mm -hmm. but like you know but I'm I'm just I'm just just uh, you know like I I because I had real difficulty as well over um I was like what 
am I just super like not in, I'm so not interested in, I'm so interested in going out with women is that because like, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sex crazy or something along those lines. And yet I've got so few male friends. Mm-hmm. And actually what I've now realized is no, I just really, really prefer the company of women. Like all of my best friends are female mm. and and it's and it's it is just literally it's it's a girls' night out. And I do remember actually the, the day I realised that I had really crossed the line was when I um, a good line, sorry, not a bad one. Uh, really <laughs> crossed the good line was when we were having brunch, and one of my girlfriends just texted me and she went, "Jamie, we'll be there in a while. Menstrual cramps, Jesus, so painful." Ow, 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 ow. And I looked at it and I said. Like, that's not something. Like she's only in her twenty. That's not something somebody a twenty a twenty something year old woman sends to a straight 40, 40 something man. No. This is this is girly secrets. Yeah, and it was, it was, you're part of the was, gang. Yeah, <laughs> that was just. It was the first time I went out, and it was an all girls group. And I just realised it actually was an all girls group. Oh. And because I used to, I used to want to be friends with some of my female, like acquaintances but in a completely different way mm. so, and I was like oh, I was gonna come I'm gonna come across as that guy I don't want to come across as that guy I really like you I really care about you in a way that is really not classically male yeah. and 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 there was and there's this other thing of like I would like really want to be around this woman and and I was like do I really fancy her? and I was like no I don't mm-hmm. what's going on the thing is, is what I wanted to be was I wanted to look like her. Yeah, yeah. And I, I even That's had funny. that like yesterday when I was talking to to my gymnastics instructor Ariadne. I said, "Look," and I was like, "And she's like about five foot one, flexible, very muscular, blonde, very smart." So I looked. I was like, "Oh my god, you're exactly what I want to look like." But that's <laughs> what most women feel like when they look at other women. They, you know, they want to, they, the whole thing, the women competition thing and all that stuff is almost always because women just want to be that other person. I just want to be yeah. like you. Yeah. You're, you're getting, just, you're having that. And that was it. Cause I had no idea what that feeling, cause I was sat there with that feeling and I was just like, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you not just happy with one woman what's wrong with you why do you want to spend because because you know the traditional the traditional thing would be you get a long-term girlfriend or you get a wife and then you lose all of your female friends but you keep your male ones yeah that really did not work for me that really did not work for me i'd be sat in barbecues and that all the blokes would be there around me like like you know just a one time a man's got an opinion on cooking when you're barbecuing yeah any other time forget about it one time (laughs) I'll make you want to turn that out. Oh, well. And and they said, and they'd be like, oh, did you see the game? And I was like, no, no, I didn't see the game. I'm never going to have seen the game. The game <laughs> is of no interest to me at all. It has never been of interest to me. Mm-hmm. I can't stand that game. <laughs> and and I'd just be, I'd just be sat there, just like this. It's, why is this so miserable? And I know now. I mean, like, really, what I want to, I didn't really want to be sat with a bunch of suburban housewives either, to be honest. But I'd rather have been talking to the girls. Yeah. Um, what do, you, um, what do you think is the biggest mis- misconception about your oh. you and your life and your world? Oh, my God. There's, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. It's like, I think that's, it's almost like asking what's the biggest misconception about women mm. or, or men. 
all of us experience things differently. Mm. Um, of course, it's I not going to be the same from well, person to person, is it? But yeah, I mean, like we were discussing your career in, in motorsports previously, and and I would imagine you come across a load of misconceptions within that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I because I, I don't again I don't want to I don't want to speak on behalf of a community that I don't I don't represent because I'm just one example and, and a whole flavor of people. Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of the time people are just a little confused about about why therefore am I not why am I not dating a man why am i not trying to look uber feminine uber, uber their idea of what feminine is mm. um why did it take me so long why am i not more what's the word why am i not more girly and my answer back to that is is that having broken the boundary of quote-unquote gender why the hell would i do anything other than actually what i feel like doing this is this is you know this is humanity mm. uh, this, i think there's also a misconception of how long and how prevalent there is evidence of non-binary and trans people i mean there is there is documentary evidence of this going back well past the roman empire i was going to ask you exactly yeah. this cuz it oh, cannot... God, yeah, absolutely yeah yeah there's there's loads of evidence of this there were certain priesthoods in the ancient world where everybody in the priesthood was was regarded as non-binary. There were festivals where mm-hmm. you would celebrate and you would act as the opposite gender. Yeah. There were, you know, there were there were festivals where women were encouraged to sort of like adopt traditionally manly behavior and sort of, you know, I think, you know, the the, the Bacchanine women, for example, were, were women who got really drunk, went around and just bonked any guy that they met. And, you know, if the guys didn't bonk them, they used to beat them up. <laughs> and, you know, it's, and this is ancient Greece. Um, there is an incredible poem that I discovered the other day written by he- in Hebrew by a, um, a, a Jewish scholar from the 14th century, 15, no, I think so, 15th century, where they literally describe how annoyed with God they are that they weren't born a woman. Wow. It's, it's an incredible piece of poetry. And, it, and I read it and I was like, this, this is so from the heart. Um, but it's not just that. If, if you look at, there are existing cultures that have a third gender. So a lot of the Pacific Islanders have a third gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Mexico, there are, there's a whole, there's a, there's a culture, I think it's in the southwest of Mexico, and it's, the, the, the person's called a mujer, and mujer is a, is a woman, and a mujer, which is spelt with an X, is somebody with a male body who dresses as a woman. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing, and this is really important, and I mean, if there's any message I would point out, it's this one, is that community has none of the mental health issues associated with being non-binary or trans in places like the United States and the United Kingdom. And it's because they are socially accepted. Wow. And there's a whole lot of things that, you know, there's roles, there's, 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 there's ways to be in society, nobody's staring, nobody's looking at them or anything like that. So... A large chunk of our mental health comes from how society views us. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I like the, the, the Pacific Islands third gender has a whole load of uh, different names, and, and I know I'll mispronounce it. I think it's Bafafim. Um, but what, what I adore about that is is they're considered an absolute godsend for a family because a lot of roles in these Pacific Islands are, are gender-based. So there are certain jobs that only women will do, 
And if you've got a Fafa Fiend, you've got somebody who's doing a woman's role, but with male strength. And, you know, they're, they're stunningly beautiful and really, really strong people. And they're, they also traditionally act as, act as um, sort of protectors of women. So if you do sort of like, you know, abuse or attack a woman, you know, all of a sudden these beautiful, long-haired, gorgeous, androgynous creatures turn up outside your house wow. and beat the living daylights out of you and then sort of like wander off gossiping. I just think that's fantastic. That's amazing. And, yeah, and these, these also, this exists in when I, because you know I'm an Arabic speaker, mm. in, in, the marsh, in the marshes in, in, on the Iraq-Iran border, um, you know, Thessinger talks about um, a young warrior being brought to, brought to him to look at, because he was a very good sort of like field surgeon. And when he took the shirt off, he was like, well, that's unexpected. And it was a woman dressed as a man in a man's role. And in Arabic, the word rajul means man. And this sort of person was called a muradula, which is basically they made the, the word man feminine, because you can do that in Arabic, muradula. And because there's a lot of vendetta, or there was a lot of vendetta amongst the, the Marsh Arabs, muradulas would very often marry the widow of somebody who'd been killed in vendetta and then would look after the family, and they would just perform this role. Gosh, that's, That's fascinating. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. And there's, 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 you can look these sorts of things. I mean, Wikipedia, fortunately, has made this, and, you know, there's lots of articles cited in there. Um, so it's made it quite accessible to find out these sorts of things. Um, yeah. Do you feel like um, you, so Jamie moved to New York, how long ago now? 18 May months? May 2019. Oh, gosh. Okay. So a year and yeah. a bit ago. Um, do you find that, uh, as a generalization, it's, it's more open in the States than it is in the UK? I know you touched uh, on that earlier, but. No, no, really? it's, I think that, that, well, no, no, that's the whole thing. Like, let me qualify that. It's about where you are. Yeah. In the States. Cause the States, the States actually, and this is something that I know I now only really appreciate living here is the states are different states there are very different political cultures in those different states and it also depends on where you are because cities they have their own municipal governments here and very distinctive cultures and New York everyone in New York is a little bit crazy yeah. it's New York is is literally like uh, it's like wonderland I know? love They're how open it is there it's it's wonderful because everybody in New York is a refugee in some way or another. They're a refugee from, shall we say, a more traditional kind of mm. like background. Very frequently, they are the sons or daughters of refugees. And everyone in New York is so busy. It's almost like they don't have time to, 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 for prejudice. I, 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 got, I got no time to just be prejudiced against people because... And, and there's also another point, which is within a generation for almost, for lots of people in New York, their family will have been discriminated against for some reason, like whether it be religion or, or ethnicity or whatever. So there's almost like a default New York reaction to people who are haters, which is you're coming for them today. You could be coming for me tomorrow. I'm going to stop you right now, right here. And it's, um, it's a wonderful city from that point of view. And when you, when you walk down the street, uh, we were in the East village last night for, uh, for dinner. We, um, and sometimes people pass you by and you've got no idea what country their ancestors would have come from and no idea, honestly, like if they're a boy or a girl or whatever, mm. they look incredible. Mm. 
and beautiful and exactly who they feel like they should be. Mm. And it's from that perspective, it is, it, I, I, it's, I, when I came here, I just fell in love with it. It mm. is just the most incredible place. For me. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Do you feel proud of yourself? Yes, I do. Um, I do. I, I don't always feel proud of my actions. And I think that's something that I think we should, we should, and that's really important to me to make that distinction is that I feel right. This is, this is correct. Um, this is how I should be. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. Do I always make the right decisions? No. And do I always behave in the correct way? No, I don't. Um, but I do think it's a very important distinction because all too often People, when they criticize somebody's behavior, say that's because you are who you are. So you've done a bad thing there and you did a bad thing because, you know, you're gay or you're from this particular ethnic group or, you know, you're a trans person, et cetera, et cetera. And you're like, well, actually, hang on a second. No, that person's behaved in a bad way and that person's behaved in a bad way at that time. Yeah, that doesn't mean that all of this is no. wrong. And um, and so, yeah, now, I, right now, I mean, it's, it's more than just... Because proud's a really loaded word because people are like, you need to be proud about X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, it's not so much I'm proud. It's that this feels right. This is correct. This feels true. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the bit that I'm I'm most happy with is it feels really true. It feels authentic. Um, and I mean, literally, the, the, the on Friday, I was when I was at this birthday party, and this guy asked this in a really respectful manner. He said, can I ask why you wrote this? I said, absolutely. Trans woman. He said, yes, but you have a partner who's female. I said, yes, I'm a trans woman who's also a lesbian. And he was like, oh, well, that's cool. You own that man. And I was like, thank you very much. And mm -hmm. it was the first time that someone who was like pretty much a total stranger had said that to me, and but they'd done it really respectfully. And when I said that out loud, I was like, this is amazing because I would have I would have said that is ridiculous two years ago. I would have said, no, there's other explanations, et cetera, et cetera. This can't possibly be who you are. And I would have wandered off and I would have felt conflicted on the inside. And actually, when I said that, I was like, yep, that's me. I don't honestly care if you think that's daft or not. When I say it, that completely sums me up. You can get all of my kind of behavior off the back of that. I'm good with that. That's really interesting. Were yeah. you always as open as you are? You sort of hinted there that maybe two years ago you would have thought oh, when said w would you have ever described yourself as almost being homophobic or anything um, like that or i don't think i was i don't think i was homophobic i definitely shied away from i definitely because homophobic wasn't the issue i definitely mm. shied away from engaging in any conversation about fluidity of gender mm. definitely shied away from that like it didn't get to the point where I was actively discriminating against people, um, but what? But I just refused to discuss it. Oh, I would not discuss it. I was like, this is not something that's up for option. And I was very concerned with manly behaviour. Mm. Um, and but even then, you know, like I, even then, like I was, my brain was dropping so many hints. It was crazy. Like I used to say things like. I'm such a man, I could wear a tutu and be more manly than you. And I was like, that's not, that's not a blokey thing to say. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's, just, that's really not. Like, my brain kept on dropping hints. 
I, 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 I wrote, I'd like, I, I, I write a lot of, I wrote this like fiction story in which this young woman gets pulled out of her life into, into this, into this kind of like underworld of sort of like, you know, other creatures. And she's able to completely change how she looks whenever she feels like it. And I was just reading that. And, and like one of my friends is a, is a book uh, agent and she read it and she was like, this is so obviously a trans story. And I was <laughs> like, thank you. She was like, when did you write it? 2012. And she was like, yeah, you were very, very wow. in the closet. Yes. Like my brain kept on. Yeah. I love it. Him. Your soul, your brain now must be like, thank the Lord, Jamie, finally. Oh my God. There was this <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy dream. It was like, oh, it wasn't even a sort of dream. It was a, it was almost like a flash vision when, mm. um, what very often happened was when I really relaxed, like another chunk would just suddenly happen. And I was with my, with my partner and I started talking to her and I was so happy we'd had such a great weekend. And I started crying and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was born in the wrong body. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I just, I just, I just all flooded out. And then I just had this vision of looking up to a door with a kind of light shining through it, like a classic sort of like castle prison sort of thing and walking towards a structure, like a really small structure that was like on a beach and then opening that door. And I had this simultaneous feeling of looking up and opening this door. And I saw when I was looking up a man and when I was looking down a woman and then the two hands joined together and then it all kind of synced in. And I realized, and again, I really appreciated my partner saying this to me because I found this weirdly empowering. I realized I had done this to myself. I had ended up locking me away. I had drunk the Kool-Aid. I had assimilated the message. I was the one punishing me now. And yes, I got taught to do that by society, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact is that if I was punishing me, if I was the one locking me up, I could unlock me. I could let me out again. And and there were several moments where, where literally, like, uh, almost, I, I could feel like, some animus running along the inside of my arms into my hands. And I was like, my God, I feel like I'm properly occupying my body. And I've spoken with quite a few people from my community and that body numbness is actually, is, is a common experience with a lot of people because you've denied so much of who you are. You've denied so much of what you want to be that you shut yourself off from sensation. In the same way that we would shut parts of our memory off when we've been through a brain trauma or something like that or something that we've been through that we don't want to remember anymore it must be a sort of a similar nerve control that we have yeah absolutely and i mean i what what i can't believe is like you know, i'm physically so much stronger than i used to be now mm. and i mean like it was crazy stuff like you know when as soon as i came out i lost four stone wow. something like four stone within three months and it was because i just stopped overeating Mm. I, I, did, I didn't even consciously do it. I just, I just suddenly I was like, oh, my, my stomach's full. I'll stop. Mm. Previously, I'd have just stuffed it in. Happier, and that's, that's lighter, an interesting one. more energy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think sometimes there's the Germans, we, 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 the vocabulary is really useful in this one. And um, the Germans have a word for this um 
Hold on a second. That's it. Kummerspeck. Grief bacon. <laughs> and it's the weight you gain when you're upset and you just eat. And I was I was covered in Kummerspeck. I was covered in it. I was like and it wasn't it wasn't a happy it wasn't a happy weight. I wasn't a, a jolly jolly happy sort of like ram person or anything like that, you know, which is perfectly fine. That's why why shouldn't you be like that? Is there anything else that you feel like you would like to say that we haven't covered? Um, I'd just like to reiterate, you know, it's, it's a pretty nutty world and um, none of us really know exactly what the answer is. So with somebody from the trans community, the non-binary community, just get to know them as a person, that's all. Mm. Just, just get to know them and, and take it, you know, if you, if, if you don't know something... Don't just go barging in there. No, exercise a degree of sensitivity and empathy and and get to know them for who they are. Because the odds are on, like, they, they'll have suffered an awful lot of... They'll suffer either prejudice or they'll be thinking to themselves, you know, oh, my God, yeah, am I really like this, etc. at some point or another. And like anybody, they're just looking for acceptance and kind of... And, and more than just acceptance, they're, they're looking to celebrate their lives. And that's actually one of the things I really love at the moment is my life feels celebratory. And every day is, is, is a gift. What a lovely place to finish. Fantastic. Okay, my darling, you look after yourself. I'm, I'm going to give my girls a call now. Love you, that Jamie. It's so lovely to talk to you. You really too. Nice. And really, you must come, must come to New York as soon as you can. Oh, I will. Excellent. I will. Lots okay, of babe. love. Lots of love to you too. Bye. Bye.